Welcome to NC State University's Sport and Entertainment Venue Management Podcast, where we talk about the issues that impact effective and efficient management of sport and entertainment facilities and events. In this segment, Dr. Kyle Buns, an assistant professor in the Sport and Entertainment Venue Management Program here at NC State University, talks about leadership within the context of large venues. Also joining Dr. Buns is Bobby Nichols, Director of Guest Services at PNC Arena, home of the Carolina Hurricanes and NC State University men's basketball. Welcome to our podcast on leadership. Uh, Thank you to Bobby Nichols, the uh, Director of Guest and Event Management at PNC Arena for uh, joining us today. Thank you very much. Yeah, Thanks, Bobby. This is great. Yes, thank you guys. So we're going to kind of start with the basics here, if you don't mind. So if we can uh, have you kind of give us a bit about your background, uh, kind of what you do sure. uh, in your current role and how you got to where you are today. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so I, again, Bobby Nichols, Director of Event Guest Services here at the PNC Arena. I have been in the sports and entertainment industry for about 15 years. Um, it's actually getting ready to roll over into 16 years. It feels like forever. I could have a teenager right now. Um, that's what it feels like certain days. No, you don't. You don't, yeah. don't go there. You don't want no. that. You don't want a teenager. Yeah. Getting close. Um, but I started kind of working in a small, multifaceted facility is where I started. Kind of got a big chunk of my background there. Um, we did meetings and we did concerts and entertainment performing arts and it was such a small arena and facility that uh, very small staff so we honestly pretty much had to pick up on doing a lot of things around the arena and facility ourselves so it was a great place for me to learn basically every facet of kind of what is involved in an arena and a facility and that way it kind of gave me a better understanding and overall just appreciation for all departments because I know, you know, people complain about other departments and they fuss about other departments, but it made me realize that without one, you really cannot have the rest. We were like that spokes on a wheel. Like, honestly, you needed each other to continue. And even regardless of how much you were complaining about one, mm-hmm. uh, whatever we needed to do to screw a light bulb or sell tickets or whatever we needed to do, we were all there for each other to do it. And that's kind of where I started and where I fell in love and grew in appreciation. And then I moved to the big city of Dallas where I got to see a big building in action and realized at that point that... Um, what, was, what was the building? Oh, American Airlines Center in oh, Dallas. Oh, American Airlines Center. All so right. yes, home of Very the cool. Dallas Stars and Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. And there it made me appreciate one that an arena is an arena is an arena. So regardless of big, small or little, you all kind of have a similar problem, similar issues. But at the same time, uh, you have the luxury of having a larger staff. So you can have people that can be there and you learn and you can have great leaders at these bigger buildings because they have some great experience and can share that with you. Mm which is where I've learned a lot. And then obviously I'm now here in Raleigh, North Carolina, working at the PNC Arena, and I love it very much. So, like I said, if I go on and on, just, just yeah. have me yeah. on if I need to, I can go now on. Now we want to get all the information so, that, yeah. that we can out of you. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about kind of what a guest and event management director does on a day-to-day basis here? Uh, a lot of paperwork, a lot of answering phone calls, a lot of... Uh, so obviously I'm here during the day 
uh, working in an office capacity and then here during events mm -hmm. uh, as need basis. Most of my job really entails more in the office basis of, you know, dealing with staff issues, um, dealing with patron issues when things arise, and then also just doing overall research about events. Uh, a lot of times people don't realize um, that buildings talk to each other all the time, so we're constantly working and growing and engaging with each other on how we can be better, but also on understanding like when events or concerts come through. I do a lot of research, I do a lot of understanding, and then, like I said, dealing with the day-to-day -day of uh, staffing and that sort of thing. So, well, so big's your staff here? Are you just gonna ask Yep, them? that was gonna okay. be the question. So, <laughs> Great so right now I have about 300 on my staff. Full-time? Uh, it's part-time. Okay. So right. it's 300 part-time staff. Uh, it's anywhere from ushers, ticket takers, no. uh, risk managers, guest services, uh, wheelchair brigade, rest, uh, our medical team also falls under me. So I have to schedule so, and plan and do everything for those. So talk a little bit about the, the type of staff. I mean, we've, we've been to events here and I see I see young people, mm -hmm. I see middle-aged people, I see older people like myself and yep. even older. What, what would you say is kind of the main makeup of, of those part-time uh, staff? I will say that probably probably a good 60 to 70 percent of my staff are, are retired, retired or yeah, getting to that point of being retired. Um, I do have a lot of, it, I, I have them all the way from 18 up to 88. I have an 88-year-old usher right, right now who I love. He's a very sweet man. Um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, it's across the board. It's different, you know, generations that I see. I see um, people who I see a lot of teachers. I have a lot of teachers because they have evening and weekend times on their hands. So people and, who and just they're not want, paid well enough yeah. in North Carolina. Oh, um, no comment, but yes, yeah. correct. <laughs> I'll make the comment as the husband of a teacher. I'll yeah. make that comment. So I mean, I think it's uh, what we kind of see the most part is we're kind of that place for people to come and build. A like camaraderie they want relationships they want things to do they want to get out of the house and meet people right. as well as just making some side money um, nobody's going to get rich at what we do let's be honest it's more about the love and yeah. you know whether it's people who really enjoy being around the sports atmosphere or just people who want to be around other people that's pretty much what I see so I have like I said wide variety wide, I, I said all of my department comes in wide shapes and sizes so <laughs> we come in everything sure. we've got it all so what What's the main uh, difficulty in trying to staff people for events throughout the year? Um, my, unfortunately for me, because I can't speak to this, I don't have a hard time doing that. Uh, my staff, we they love to work and they love to be there. Um, we. Uh, sadly, I guess I am the one department that everybody wants to come work for. I always say we have the best fun oh, department. See, it's because so, of you. Exactly. It we that's, have that's the fun department to work at. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. um, but no, I think uh, it just goes back to part time. It's very difficult. Um, I don't know if it's now has always been a problem in the ish, in the past, but uh, finding part time labor can be very difficult. And I know it's yeah. not just our industry. Obviously, it's you know you look at all no, the help wanted signs. We're hearing this from from so many industries that are that are looking struggling. to populate with with part time labor. The parks and recreation industry struggles mm -hmm. with it, um, and it seems like offering just offering more money 
is isn't even the solution to it. No, I mean it certainly will help. Like yeah. if uh, like for us, you know, we're going up against somebody just down the road that just opened that is now paying fourteen dollars an hour. Right. Uh, they can have kind of a normal hours, whereas we are not necessarily normal hours. Right. So what we sell, I mean, obviously we sell fun and entertainment right. and exciting, but it's not always fun and entertaining and exciting. You know, you're going to wind up working those events that nobody likes to work or, mm-hmm. you know, being here um, until two in the morning sometimes. So it is difficult. But I think what we do and what we do a good job of is we actually rely a lot on our own staff to try to spread the word and say, look, you know, I enjoy coming here. And that's where I get a big chunk of my staff is from referrals from other people, from other teachers or other things that are out there that are looking for these part-time jobs. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how we kind of fill our openings and holes. Sounds like so. you've really built a com- almost a community of staff. And we do. Uh, it's we. I sell it as a family. Like we, yeah. you know, I'll come up and and we obviously do our briefing and we'll talk and you know, when I come up to do my part of the briefing, I'll look out and I'll have clusters of people around. And it's even my new staff that have come in this year. They're now part of those you know clusters of families because they have brought you know these newbies in, and they go out and they go on trips and they do things outside of here. So it's. Like I said, it they have truly built their own little family here coming to work, and that's how I kind of sell it. When I do my overall new hire orientation, I said, look, you know, if, if this is not what you're into, if, if being a part of this family is not what you want, there's other departments out there that are looking just for the labor. So... <laughs> So that's that's me. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So, you, in in your leaderships, in your leadership style, what would you, how would you categorize yourself as a leader? Oh, um, I, I mean, I, obviously not an authoritarian because I'm just not yeah, that kind of person. Up, yeah, I think we picked up on that <laughs> yeah. from right in the no. beginning. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I I am definitely a camaraderie. I believe in open door. I believe in you know learning and listening and understanding and gaining trust. And I think one of my biggest things is I see faults in myself and I know that I have faults and I am willing and open to say that to my staff. Uh, my supervisors, my managers, I tell them all the time, I'm like, you guys know I'm not perfect. So wherever I fall, you know, I trust you guys to help pick up or tell me or mm-hmm. come to me with any issues. Um, and I believe that that has helped me be successful in this sure. because they know. Uh, I also, I'm not the most confident in myself and that's just me as a person so but having built this great team and seeing them around me and knowing that we have each other's back and that we have this family and this teamwork I think that has made me a better manager better director better supervisor and trusting them so uh I mean, I think it all—it always goes back to nobody ever sees themselves in truly the leader position. Like you, you know, there's multiple ways that you get here. You know, it's it's knowledge, it's being good at what you know, doing what you do. Um, it's also just sometimes luck, yeah. just being, overall across the board. Being the right place at the right exactly. time. Exactly, circumstances yeah. in life. You know, last one standing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, it could just be a flip of a draw. You know, um, but I think if you focus on the things that made you successful. And those previous jobs, yes. then you'll be, you know, really good and successful as a leader. And it's not meant for everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, uh, I have had some great friends and peers that have been 
leaders in their jobs, yeah. but probably should not have been. Right. So you, you got to be true to yourself. Right. If, if you try to be somebody different, right. When you it's, assume that leadership role, yeah. you might be able to do it short term, but not full term. Yeah. People yeah. will see through that. And I uh, listened to a podcast one time where they had talked about um, the two types of emotions that you can bring. One is like the surface acting, where you're mm. just pretending to mm. be and care and yeah. get into this, or there is the actual acting. There is not the actual acting, but the surf, the deep acting where yeah. you actually feel those emotions and people can see that honesty and yeah. how Sincerity. you're really, yeah, exactly. So, and if you bring that passion and compassion to what you are doing, then you'll always be successful at everything. Yeah, yeah I would so, agree with that. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think that answers, I'm, no, I'm no, just, I don't really have, I know there's multiple ways of saying like there's different types of leadership sure. style. Yeah, no, I think you can kind of, yeah, I think no, you can. We can read about that. Yeah, that would, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. We'll let the students read about that. And then, <laughs> exactly. then they get the reality lesson yeah. when they listen to this podcast. But yes, yeah. there is, I mean, there's bits and pieces that you can take and, you know, when you have a leader and when, you know, like I said, even through peers, whether it's previous bosses or just friends or yeah. reading and that sort of thing, I think you pick up on those attributes that you yourself see and want, mm-hmm. um, whether it's positive or negative. Sure. Like I, uh, I was very fortunate um, that when I stepped into this role, the gentleman ahead of me, he had built this fantastic supervisor team and manager team. And so for me to step in and see that, they had this great knowledge, they had this understanding, they were already compassionate, they you know brought it in, but they were lacking something. Mm-hmm. So when I stepped in and took over this role, what they were lacking is somebody who trusted them and believed in them and listened to them. So when I did that, I mean, it just seemed like the department truly like blossomed yeah. like everybody you know stepped up their game they were excited to you know it kind of rejuvenated everything about the department so and that was just me like I'm not going to change that about me it mm. was sad that the person you know in front of me couldn't do that and see that but the ability to, for him to see that these were going to be great leaders is something and to build this great team it's just sometimes it takes somebody else to take it to the next level you ever had an experience so. where you've, you've you've made a conscious decision to do something as a leader you thought would be really effective and it just oh didn't. crashed and burned it crashed and burned <laughs> yeah. yeah oh absolutely yeah. i mean like i said i told all the time that I'm not perfect. Like, I'm going to try something. If you bring me an idea and we're going to try it, or I have this great idea and we're going to try it, yeah. and then something goes wrong. Like, yeah. I'm... Yeah. It's, can you give an example? Can you think of an example? Uh, without putting I'm, you on the, I'm, I'm throwing you the yeah. spot there. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. yeah. Make you look bad here. <laughs> of course. No worries. See, I told you she that, wasn't that here. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean... Uh, you know, we, once upon a time, uh, well, actually not too long ago, we decided that we were going to... Uh, it was very strange, but so we have general admission yeah. people that come in. Um, we had it. In part of leadership too is understanding your uh, your overall problems that you have to work through, your issues. Yeah. What you know, Always. simply because it's uh, not your idea, but maybe your boss's idea. So you have to work through certain of issues course. of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I experience uh, that all the time. Yeah. So do I. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But uh, so the struggle was that I had to make sure that, you know, we could allow these general admission people to come through any door because that was kind of what was given to me. So you have to figure a way for all these general admission people to come through any door and we're going to get them down. And we, 
in the long run, my idea was for everybody to come in, we were going to send them to a table, and at that table, they were going to get wristbanded and then go down the stairs or whatever like that. Well, we wound up having a line around the back of the concourse, which was like the worst possible thing that you could do. And so I was like, all right, this is not working. Yeah. 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 So, and yes, it failed immensely, and so, people and were so mad at me. <laughs> I think that's really empowering for the people that are working with you and for you when they, they see you acknowledge, hey, something didn't work. Yeah. Right? So yeah. let's, let's, let's acknowledge figure it out. that, let's yeah. figure it out, and let's yeah. move on, rather than, you know, others that are in maybe not as secure in their, in their leadership style or and and not taking ownership for something and then yeah. or, or blaming others for it right you know uh, when they say it usually rolls downhill for me yeah, it rolls yeah. uphill yeah. I'm like you know yeah. if, if you guys see a problem see something bring it to me and I'll yeah. take it up the hill yeah. so so you, you kind of talked a little bit about your leadership style and um, I'm curious where where did you kind of make these revelations were there some bosses that you used to have or yeah, some question. some mentors that you had that kind of shaped you into how, how you are today uh yes uh, i've had some well uh, i i started out having i think the king of micromanager boss hmm. uh when i first worked in my small facility <laughs> i think we've all had so, a boss like yeah. that at some point yeah. and you know i think uh it it made me appreciate um, one open communication and being able to talk openly about my ideas and what was going on and knowing that I needed to run things by them. It was it was very stifling and frustrating and that every moment it seemed like I had to go and talk to him and when you couldn't find him and you needed to make a decision it just was very frustrating. And then uh, you know I've had a few mentors and other bosses that you know they've given me the freedom. They've allowed me to grow and do some research. And sometimes uh, I think in of itself, um, they step back and, and are like, you come to me if you have any issues. Or sometimes in our role, we are afraid to go and talk to them mm-hmm. because we that fear is still in us that we're maybe, why did you pick me? Are you sure that I was the right person for this right. job? Yeah. Like that, again, it goes back to that confidence, especially for me. But um, that was my problem when I first moved here was just I felt like I had to prove myself. So I had to like know, already know everything. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, going and asking for certain things um, seemed a little difficult. But then I quickly got over that and realized, you know, I have this great mentor and boss who has all this great working knowledge. Let's use that. Mm-hmm. So he mm-hmm. turned into a fantastic mentor on just the day to day or a wealth of knowledge on where to learn about additional stuff like crowd management for us is huge. And anything that I can learn about that sort of things and how we deal with that sort of thing is phenomenal. And he's great at that. And he has written all these papers. So he was a fantastic asset in that and then I also started reaching out to and making friends and you know colleagues around the industry as a whole Mm -hmm. and realizing you know we have this huge wealth of knowledge out there with these other industry people that nobody really taps Mm -hmm. into that much Um, you know it's I think you you, we get into our bubble sometimes and think we're the only ones that have these kind of problems sure. when multiple buildings, multiple other people have the same problems. Yeah. And until you go to these conferences, you don't realize that. I, I was at a conference last year and this guy was talking and he was saying that he, um, in the mornings, he would arrive like 10 minutes before his boss 
and he would walk the same route that his boss would take every morning, looking around, seeing what problems that his boss would take before he got to the office. Oh, and wow. he would call and fix every single one of those issues that he knew his boss would see. And he called it, he said, I'm managing my manager. Mm-hmm. You know, I am. Oh, I, I, I like that. That's yeah, really right? Like, you I need am. To do that no, I know, I need to do that. Yeah, I'm working on it. It's hard. I am. My manager's I'm looking. <laughs> He's still working. He's still yeah. trying to figure yeah. out how yeah, to manage you. Trying. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. You know, but it's just, you know, sometimes um, us ourselves as leaders, you know, we don't think about that, you know, in that our staff is probably doing the same thing from time to time with us and trying to find ways to um, do better, to, uh, again, not fail in front of us. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, I'm I'm like, bring it to me. Don't, don't, don't let me hear about it from somebody else. Let's work through this. Yeah. So, so that, that's pretty interesting. Like you think you think about uh, we talk about networking across kind of the spectrum, whether it's to get jobs or to build teams. Um, but from the perspective of developing yourself into a better leader, um, what how, how does network? How, tell us about the process of networking to yeah. get to be a better. How do you network with other leaders? I mean, it, I mean, it just doesn't happen yeah. all by itself. Right, you don't. Doing as soon as you get the job, all these people start calling you. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly that's what right. happens. Uh, no, not at all. Yeah, no, kidding. <laughs> no, I think uh, we're fortunate uh, from our side that we do have IAVM. Uh, you know, for Arena. Right. IAVM. What's that stand for? Uh, International Associate of Venue Management. There we go. There we go. <laughs> I don't ever know. Remember what the A stands for. <laughs> I just go. Okay, I just go. Uh, but you know, we we do have this great facet out there. Um, who we have the membership. If you become a member, I would highly recommend it because you can go and and search the member directory. Um, It will give you an idea of who out there kind of has the same uh, roles that you do. Uh, And then you can, I do it all the time. I go out there, search the member member directory of a building or something like that, that I know that they're having this new idea. And I'll send out a blast email of, hey, I'm looking at new ideas. This is what we're doing. I just got one the other day of they were, talking about changing up some new employee recognition stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. This came from a building in Tampa. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, uh, any ideas? So, and, you know, again, there was about 20 of us on the email. And so out of that, you know, you start seeing the responses. And not only do you see the responses, you start getting your own great ideas. And then we're talking back and forth. And so that's kind of how... I've built some of it, uh, going to obviously the conferences has has a huge, tremendous way to network. Mm -hmm. Um, And not just, you know, overall networking with people who are doing the same role as you, but I always like networking also um, with those, you know, again, leaders above us, but also for people in other types of industries, Mm -hmm. you know, that aren't doing this. So that way I can see what ideas and struggles they're going through too, so. One of the things they say is, you know, when you get into management, it tends to be lonely. But, but then you start to recognize that there's a whole group of people out there that are doing the same job as you. Right. Might be a different industry, but, yeah. but you're oftentimes dealing with the same kinds of issues. Yeah, they're same struggles. I mean, yeah. you know, there is no cut and paste way to be a leader. No cut. I mean, across the board, you all have to, and it goes back to, I have 300 part-time staff who are very different. So leading. And that probably changes 
from year to year quite oh, significantly. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? Who yeah. I have, you know, what we can lose, you know, 50 to 70 people sometimes, depending yeah. on the year. Um, but also leading part-time people is a lot different than leading full-time people. Mm-hmm. And sure. leading um, people who are here seasonally versus those who, you know, want to come and thrive and or interns that are coming. You know, there are just different ways to be a leader and understanding that. And, you know, it, when you build these networks, then you can talk with them. And again, it also builds your confidence in knowing that maybe you're making a right decision or you can help others in learning how to do this. So sure. so, through, so through your kind of networking and you're getting to meet a lot of different leaders, what, what have you seen some common, have you noticed any common traits among different leaders that you think have helped make them successful? Yeah, I mean, I, again, uh, everyone is different in the way that they go about it. Uh, I think you, uh, you know, you have to be passionate. Uh, I think that's one thing that, you know, across the board you see. Uh, if you're not passionate about what you do and have a good um understanding and and feel for that passion and energy and excitement i mean not that every part of what we do or anything that what you do is exciting but it it's real and not fake Mm -hmm. you know it comes it comes through and you can feed that passion um to you know not your i don't want to say underlings but your Employees. To your employees. employees. Yes, I've, there we go. I've, been, I've been called an underling before. It's fine. It's, no. You've been called a lot of things. Yeah, I've been called a lot of things. <laughs> underling I mean, was a compliment yeah. compared to the other thing. Um, but I also think, you know, obviously knowledge. Um, you need to be knowledgeable about what you're doing. Uh, knowledge about, you know, you don't need to know everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, that be, comes back to building your staff. Um, but you need to at least have a working knowledge of what you should be doing, sure. as well as the knowledge of how to lead your staff. Mm-hmm. And again, that's where it came good on the networking um, for me. And not just networking across, you know, the industry, but also networking internally in the building, you know, of, of what what issues have we seen in the past and what can we do to fix this? So, and again, that goes back to just researching and understanding Mm -hmm. and knowing everything about the industry as well as all these part-time staffs. And then knowledge, uh, again, like I said, of the employees. It was, I like to go around and talk to my employees and learn and get to know them Mm -hmm. because that's building a deeper, better relationship with them. And so that kind of all boils back to one big thing of building your team sure. and and trusting your team. And then I think it also leads into compassion. I think a good leader has to be compassionate. Um, if you don't care about your team, if you don't care about your employees, yeah. you can't they're going to know. Yeah. And they're going to know. They're that circles know. back to what you talked about in the beginning. You yeah. know, trying to be somebody you're different. I mean, yeah. if you're trying to fake caring about your employee it'll yeah. come through oh 100 percent. Right? and they'll know uh mm-hmm. if you're only out for yourself uh regardless yeah. of how fake you can be on the outside they will eventually yeah. uh yeah. feed that out so. well we've seen you in action and we know that how much your employees love you uh, the first time we got yeah. to see you in action was <laughs> you're giving your your talk to the to your employees before the game and 
they like were around you and really into what you were saying and you guys were joking with each other and they handed you a chicken hat I believe <laughs> yeah. it was. I can't remember that. Was it your birthday or something? No. Uh, I don't remember. It may have been. It, I think it was Christmas. I, I don't. Oh, oh yeah, it was Christmas. It was yeah, Christmas. Christmas time. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. that was their Christmas present to me was the Moana chicken. So yeah. yes, I yeah. apparently so right. remind we've, them of the chicken. We've seen it firsthand, <laughs> yeah. and I've, it's, I've often wondered: is that is that something that's unique to this industry? You know that, you know, because it's the event business and it's fun and exciting that it, that that attracts people that want to be a part of that environment or is and, and I'm really seeing been seeing here firsthand that it's actually a culture that you have created here right which is is really something and uh, again I think that also just boils back to um, enjoying what you do it's that passion and if yeah. you don't enjoy it uh, you're gonna burn out and the amount of hours and what we do here yeah. I mean we are truly and that's why I say that we're a family because I I almost spend as much time with these people here as I do with my actual family. Yeah. So you know, it's exciting at first, but then that fifth night of Disney on yes. ice, you know, that's when you you really see the true believers. You in this really want to let it go. Yeah. You really yeah. want to just yeah. let it go. That's a, that is a great reference. That's a great. <laughs> yeah. I really like that. So, uh, you, you to circle back a little bit to what you talked about earlier, saying that as a leader, you don't have to know it all. Um, do you think that's always been the case with leaders in the industry? Or, or how do you think that leadership's kind of changing? How's yeah. it evolving? Uh, I think it has. I think that, you know, um, we've talked about this before. I think that as generations change, generations come and go, the idea potentially, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago was the idea of this leader who had to be the strong, stoic person who had to know everything, had all of the answers, um, could not look weak regardless of what they did. Uh, I think that is obviously fading. Um, I think because we now I think it's, it, and it's probably not just here, but I think it's probably in other areas and seeing that us as the generation kind of, as you grow up, you realize your parents are not perfect. You know, you realize that they're not perfect and then they come back to being that great source of knowledge though. Mm -hmm. that just because that you are not perfect does not mean that you don't understand and know and have been through those circumstances. And I think that's the kind of leaders we now wanna be. I don't want to be perfect. I will never be perfect, uh, but I will willingly fight. I will willingly stand up. I will willingly try anything that you bring to me. Um, and I think as, you know, again, as the next generation comes, uh, we're going to see more open communication. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that uh, – just, you know, I was at a conference again. Uh, I hate to keep saying I was at a conference, but I actually was. And we were going around the room and we were talking about the different types of generations and that sort of thing and how yeah. we have gotten to now the next, you know, beyond generation. And they were discussing how, uh, I hate to say millennials, but millennials plus just feel the open ability to go and talk to bosses more openly because sure. they had that close relationship with their parents. Yeah. So they have that better understanding of going and talking to someone in that type of position and asking for things, whereas the generations before may have never felt that, you know, 
didn't didn't feel like they had the not the ability but the license right. Right. to do it. Whereas it was this whereas generation now, does. Yeah. Know, almost feel like it's their right, right. to mm-hmm. come and do it. Yeah. Exactly. And that they're just comfortable. Like they don't know how to sit back and just take mm-hmm. it. You yeah. know, and, yeah. and that's a good thing, but you know, it's as leaders you have to learn how to deal with that. Yeah, true. Yeah. So. It's it's much it's a much harder job to be a leader with an open door inclusive policy than the old yeah. authoritarian style where you, you make the decisions close the door and and you do it because I say so because I'm mm-hmm. the boss right. that's that has to be a much easier management style mm-hmm. this this style yeah. that you're talking about takes work it does yeah. and but I think it also gives more buy-in yeah I think if you're just making the decisions this is what I'm doing this yeah. is how we're doing it it's more buy-in one from your employees because they're going to feel like they are involved but i think you as a leader at least for me again i can't talk to everyone but i think that i enjoy when people bring me that information Mm, like you know what is it that steve jobs said you know we don't hire uh, we don't tell smart people how to do their jobs we hire smart people so they can tell us how to do our jobs you know uh and and i think that's what we need to look at as leaders is taking those different personalities those different ideas and rolling with them mm-hmm. and seeing where it goes yeah. mm-hmm. why would why would you stifle the greatest resource you yeah. have which is your people right mm-hmm. exactly it doesn't make sense yeah so i want to kind of uh finish up with uh kind of a, a broad uh, but pretty deep question <laughs> uh thinking about uh being a female leader in the sport industry we know it's been a predominantly male dominated field mm-hmm. so uh how do you navigate being a female leader do, do you feel that the perception of female leader- leadership have changed over the years since you've been in the field i think it has uh i, I wouldn't say t- again too much uh, while i have been in the industry for 15 years really is not that much of a change in 15 years of overall I think um, it is definitely still male-dominated, and uh, just the fact that, I guess, in people's perspective and ideas is that the sports industry is mainly just guys, Mm -hmm. you know, guys playing sports, guys doing things, guys being there, you know, hanging out. It is definitely still male-dominated, but we are starting to see a trend in GMs, AGMs, VPs, and directors like myself being more female. And I think seeing that then gets excitement for the next generation to come up. Like, Mm -hmm. look, hey, I see this. I see this person. Therefore, I know if they've done it, then I can break those barriers. It's a most. It's one of the most positive aspects of, of change. Yeah. Right. Is people seeing that? Hey, look at. There's yeah. an example of someone that's been successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone who is like too. me. Is someone, someone who is, is like, like me. me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, that also goes back to just how the industry is starting to change and the and generations. Um, like I said, you know, I spend as much time here as I do with my family, and I think that's also changing in the fact that, you know, women have not necessarily wanted to give up being a, a mother or a family and that sort of thing. And this industry is very difficult sometimes to mm-hmm. be a mom and want to do that. You know, not saying that everybody wants to do be a mom, but at the same time, you know, that still kind of stifles that idea of, like, look, I'm 
I'm working 60 hours a week. How am I going to juggle being, you know, this and being a mom? And I think that is changing as the generation and our ideas are changing. I think um, our idea of a work-life balance now is finally getting to that point in this industry where they realize that, you know, we do need to take care of our employees. So we need to do what we can. And, again, I think that's going to help as, you know, the next generation of females come up mm. to this. Um, right now, I'm, you know, my usher staff is still, you know, predominantly male. Um, my managerial staff is predominantly male, but I'm working and doing my best and helping to promote females and trying to bring them across and, you know, want them to be engaged and do this. Mm. But, you know, like we said, I mean, most of your students are males. And so sure. how do we break through that glass ceiling to get females to want to come and do this? So By having great people in posi- yeah. posi- like you in positions like this. I mean, I great. love one of my favorite things to do is when, you know, I talk to interns or students yeah. and I tell them, I always tell them the good and I always tell them the bad. Sure. Like I'm going to be as honest about what this industry is and, you know, where it's going and, I want you to enjoy this because it's a lot of hard work and it's blood, sweat, and tears around here. So, but we like to have fun. (laughs) Well, that's good. It's always good to have fun. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining us today, Bobby. And uh, I think we learned a lot about leadership today for sure. Yeah, I know I learned a lot. So thanks, Bobby. Thank you.